welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Man, listen, that, that, that video is something else. That video is something else, something, something, something crazy. I mean, every time I see it, I just get like, I just get goosebumps. You know when you watch a video and you see something amazing happen and it makes you feel like you can do something amazing too? Man, that's, that's the type of video that was. I mean, that's, that thing's crazy. That thing was, that, that thing was, but listen, vid- videos like this get you excited. They just make you want to go conquer something, right? Like, they, like, 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 like it, it makes you want to say like, I, I, I want to go do something incredible too. But as much as we like videos like this that excite us to want to do great things, they're often an indictment on how easily we give up. If you had one race to run, now, now listen, I, I, I know that the handoff wasn't great and that daddy wasn't there and mommy was working three jobs. And I know you got off to a poor start in life and I know that somewhere along the line, you lost your footing and got tripped up. I know you were running well until somebody came and knocked you out of your lane. And I know that it looks like you're so far behind that you might as well call it quits. I know that it's hard and it seems like opposition is meeting you at every corner. But if you had one race to run, would you run it like that? See, when when you want to give up, when the enemy in the world are trying to convince you to give in, I I, I want you to remember and do what I titled this text. I want you to just keep on running. I want you to just keep on running. Here's what it says in, in Hebrews chapter 12 as we finish up our sermon series, Greater Than. This is what the pastor writes In verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, since we also have such a cloud, a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. And what does he say? He says, let us run the race with endurance, the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God, we are so grateful and thankful for your word this morning. And we pray that we would run the race with endurance, that we would run and finish the race well, because you've given us everything that we need to run well. And so God, I pray we would be encouraged and spurred on by your word this morning. God, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, the pastor, as he writes through or writes this book, pens this letter to this dispersed group of people who are facing uh, a major opposition from the world and are clamming up and wondering whether or not they should run back to their uh, religious origins, as in Judaism. He, he, the author, the pastor here, begins to write, and he says, because Jesus, our great high priest, has secured a way for us through his own shed blood, 
into the very living presence of God. The pastor has written all of this, all that we've been walking through over the last few weeks with the express purpose of imploring his listeners to do two things, to run the race of faith and to run with endurance. And, 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 and listen, he, he understands, the pastor knows that, that what he's talking about, what he's asking them to do, what he's calling them to, he knows that the race is not easy. But he also knows that you're not running alone. See, there, there are other believers right now in your home or in the home next to you or gathered here in person that are running the same race that you are. And there are also some in the past who have already run the race that you're running now. That's why in verse 1 he says that we have such a large cloud of witnesses. And, 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 and when, we, when we get here and he says that, that we have this large cloud of witnesses that are, that are watching us, uh, uh, please pre-tell who constitutes this large cloud of witnesses. Well, I'm glad that you asked. If you looked at chapter 11 and uh, the pastor begins to walk through what a life of faith looks like, he begins to mention a number of individuals. And among those individuals, he talks about Noah and he mentions Abraham and he mentions Isaac and, and Moses. And then when he gets to verse 32, he gives us a summary of what he's talking about, uh, of what constitutes what it looks like and how you live a life of faith. I I'll just read it for you. Here's what he says. He says, and what more can I say? For time is too short to tell about Gideon and about Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, who by faith administered justice, who by faith obtained promises. You get the idea. Who by faith shut the mouths of lions and quenched the raging of fire, who by faith escaped the edge of the sword and gained strength in weakness, who by faith became mighty in battle and put foreign armies to flight. Listen what it says. It says that women received their dead, raised to life again, and other people were tortured by faith. You see that? Tortured by, by faith, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others, by faith, experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawed in two, died by the sword, wandered in sheepskins and in goatskins, destitute and afflicted, mistreated. Then it says that the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground, but yet... All of these were approved through their faith. Now, now I, I, I know that you heard some of these names and some of their stories before. Samson was a thug and a womanizer. Jephthah was a gang leader. David was an adulterous murderer. But yet they were approved because of their faith. If there was anything that you could say about looking at their lives and the fact that they were still approved by their faith, it was that no, they were not perfect, but they were faith-filled. And their witness assures hearers, their hearers, that any amount of rejection by the unbelieving world is worth the divine approval. What, what does that mean? That means that I would rather go through anything on this earth 
if it meant that my heavenly father was pleased. That word witness, we have a large crowd of witnesses. That word witnesses can carry the meaning of spectator. However, the author here has more in mind than just a group of people passively uh, watching an athletic event. They are bearing witness to us about the power and faithfulness of God. Namely, that God can see you through. And so rather than, us, than them watching us for examination to see how well we're running the race, it's us who are watching them for encouragement because they've already finished the race. Each of these individuals that the pastor mentions and even more, those he didn't mention, they all have something in common, meaning that they, they went through something. And yet they still remain faith-filled. And so the word of the day is that you can't let life circumstances take away your passion for God and your vicious pursuit of him. Because difficulty in the life of the believer, listen to me, is nothing but an opportunity for faith. Hear me. You can't live a life of faith without difficulty. In case you didn't know what I was doing, I'm pausing for dramatic effect. But, it, but it's interesting that, that this theme, this idea is not even just a, a, a Christian theme. I mean, it comes from God, but even the world knows that this is true. That's why Proverbs says that wisdom cries out in the streets. It's, it's interesting, uh, uh, Buster Rhymes, when he was reflecting on the life of his friend and, and manager, Chris Lighty, he was, he was really just disturbed and still kind of grieving that loss. And one of the things that he says is that none of us are exempt from suffering. Now, from what I know about Buster Rhymes, he ain't no Christian. But he sure is talking a lot of that good talk. That good Bible talk. Listen, despite life's difficulties, my brothers and sisters, you can run well. Listen, there's, there's three things that I want you to know about what it's going to take for you to run well. The first is that running well requires you to throw off some things. That's why he says, lay aside, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. That phrase, lay aside, uh, I like how the, the NLT says, it says, to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. What, 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 it's, what it's creating the image of is the image of how a runner runs in a stadium uh, 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 nearly naked. Like back in the day, back in, in their day, they would run almost naked. Right. Uh, and, and, and one one. And the reason that they would do that is because when they were training, they would put additional weights on their body and do the training that they needed to do to help them prepare them for the actual weight race. Y'all seen that happen before. You know, y'all seen those little weighted vests that people run around with. You know, people used to put it on their ankles. Don't do that. It's not good for your joints. But 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 usually like when you're preparing for an athletic event where you have to compete, you usually train with more weight than is necessary. 
So that when you actually get to the event and you take the weights off, what you used to do for training that you now have to do in competition seems a whole lot easier. So they used to train with these weights, but when it came time for the race, they would take the weights off. So what are these hindrances or these weights or these encumbrances that we need to lay aside? Well, well, well. I would say that it's anything that will distract or hinder your progress. They might even be good things in the eyes of others. Weights might well be ambition or anxieties or hobbies or wealth or fame, but each runner must honestly judge what hinders faith for him or her and resolutely lay it aside, even though others seem to be unhindered by the same thing. That means just because they can run with it don't mean you can run with it. Sometimes you're looking at what other people holding on to while they run well, wondering why you can't run well while you hold on to the same things. That's because you can't hold that. He says, he says, lay aside those hindrances, right? But he says also to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles us or that that besetting sin is the the forms and types of sins to which an individual can be personally inclined because of temperament, weakness or environment. Uh, These are the kinds of sins, uh, however, such as uh, or these are sins of this kind here. However, sin as such and sin in all its forms and kinds is referred to sin uh, hampers us down unless we put it away. And since the writer does not specifically say what it is or know what it is, he may be referring to the continual sin he's been warning about through the course of this book, namely unbelief. And so there are some specific sins in our lives that you need to put away. And sin is different than a hindrance because sometimes a hindrance can be sin, but it also could be just something that that is a distraction for you. Whereas a sin is always a sin. Some of us can't run well because we're struggling with porn addiction or sexual immorality, sleeping around with multiple partners, or not willing to wait until we're married because we don't believe God. Some of us can't run well because we're lazy and we don't want to work hard. We want to be the person that gets rich quick because of some crazy idea that didn't cost you nothing to work on. Some of us can't run well because we're too busy. Some of y'all talk a lot about the lazy people. And don't look enough at the real reason, the reason why you don't never get no rest. Because you don't trust God to take care of your finances. Some of us can't run well because we got unhealthy eating habits. Yeah, I just pulled up to your house. And I'm sitting in your driveway. Some of us can't run well because we blame shift too often. Don't take responsibility for nothing. Because we're lying. Because we're passive. What is it that's keeping you from running well? I, I, you know, I'm a, y'all, y'all know I'm a huge movie fan, and, and, and my, my favorite movie 
is Lord of the Rings. Now it's a trilogy and it's long as Jack's. But don't let Lord of the Rings come on TV and me not like being like, I don't need to watch nothing else. I'm just sitting there just, you know, cause I'm chilling and Lord of the Rings, oh, I'm putting Lord of the Rings on and I'm gonna watch all 10 hours of it. If I ain't got nothing else to do, amen. But, but, but in, in Lord of the Rings, the main character's name was Frodo. And he was tasked with, with carrying this ring that they had to take to Mordor to throw in Mount Doom. I know I'm giving you all a bunch of Lord of the Rings references. In, into the volcanic lava to destroy it. That was the only place it could be destroyed because that's where it was made. Uh, that's not the point of the story. But, uh, it, but, but the, the thing about Rodo, uh, Frodo carrying this ring was the longer he carried the ring, the heavier it got. And completing his assignment became more and more difficult the longer he held on to the ring because the longer he carried it, the more attached he became to it. And there were a couple of times where people tried to help him carry the ring, tried to ease some of his burden, and he could not lay the ring down because he was so attached to it. And it affected him in every way. Affected him socially. That's why he kicked his ball, Sam, off the law, off the off the mountain. Trusted the wisdom of Gollum. Affected him physically. You could see him physically changing. Affected him emotionally. Listen, all, all I'm trying to say is that some of us have been holding on to sin for so long that we can't put it down because we don't know what it looks like to live without it. He says, in order to run well, you got, you got, to, you got, to, you got to throw off some things. But not, not only do you need to throw off some things, but, but running well requires effort. That's why he says, let us run with endurance. That, that run with endurance or let us keep running, it's the, the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. Meaning that many people start well in the race of faith, but they fail regarding perseverance. Listen, the call to endurance assumes difficulty. There would be no need to endure if it wasn't hard. The only reason you got to keep going is because there's something pressing back against you, trying to keep you from finishing. But look, 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 look what, look what Paul writes in Romans chapter 15. He says, he says, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that, purpose clause, we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from where does he say? From the scriptures. So he, he tells us, Paul tells us that endurance and encouragement come from God. But it comes from God when we read the scriptures. Y'all, y'all ain't hear me. Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't, don't hear me. Y'all don't, y'all don't hear me in here. Listen, one of the best ways to develop endurance and encouragement is to get to know the godly men and women of the Bible who ran the race and won. You having problems with your family? Go read about Joseph. You think your job is too big for you? Go study the life of Moses. You want to learn how to not raise kids? 
Take a look at the life of Eli. You tempted to retaliate? See how David handled his problem. You struggling with depression? Go look at Jeremiah. You married to a stupid man? Go check out the life of Abigail. Y'all can laugh, I'm in the text. The Bible has all the answers you need to keep running well. But you know, two of the reasons that we lack endurance and encouragement, I'll give you two reasons why we lack endurance and encouragement. What, the, one, the, the first one is obvious, that we don't spend enough regular time in our word. Can I give you this encouragement? And I'm speaking to myself here. Stop waiting for a retreat or a conference for an opportunity to get with God. I know what you tell yourself because I tell myself the same thing. We need the conditions to be just right. If the kids would just be a little quieter. If, if, my, if my employees and, and, and coworkers weren't getting on my nerve. If only these bills were paid. If I wasn't so tired, my time with God would be different. Why we got so many excuses? So many excuses. I see us on social media. We don't seem too inconvenienced to be doing nothing else. Why is it that only when it comes to spending time with the Lord in our word do we need the conditions to be just right? <laughs> One little thing will distract you. <laughs> Listen, put your phone down when you're reading the Bible. And stop reading your Bible on your phone. I know this is a new generation. I don't care about all that technology stuff. I don't care about that. When you got your phone in your hand, you distract it. Get yourself a real physical Bible. Put your phone away. Put it on silent. Guess what? That test message can wait. You already read that Facebook message already. You already laughed at that TikTok video. Put your phone down and read your Bible. Got to spend time with God. Got to spend time with God. That's number one. Number two. Number two is, and listen, this, this, is, this is the one that ain't as obvious, but I need y'all to hear me on. Number two is, we look too often to those who are failing like we are. Did you get that? Did you hear me? Did you hear that, Pastor Gessay? Pastor, say it one more time. It says that the, the reason why we lack encouragement and endurance is because we look too often to people who are failing like we are. You know, we, you know why we do that? Because it's comfortable. Because if you go to somebody who's struggling with the same thing that you are, guess, guess what? They can't, they can't jam you up too bad. <laughs> there's, a, there's a statute of limitation on how much they can jam you up. Because they struggling with the same thing. And so all y'all end up doing is talking to each other all the time about how both of y'all struggling with the same thing. And don't nobody get nowhere. You need to find some people who have persevered in what you're struggling with. That are in a season beyond you. That have experienced some victory by God's grace so that they can jam you behind up and give you some encouragement and some wisdom about how to practically honor the Lord in what you're trying to do. 
Stop being so scared to get told off. You know, it's the people that will tell you off are the people who love you. Most times. Most times. I give you a kavit. I give you a kavit. Some people just nosy. Some people just nosy. But, but, but more than not, it's the people that love you that will tell you about yourself. Stop being so scared to grow. Scared to grow? Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Running well requires us to lay off some things. It requires us to have endurance. And lastly, I want you to take this with you. Running well requires for you to narrow your focus. That's what he said. What does he say? He says, he says verse 2, he says, he says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the, the source, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice what he does here with this exhortation. Is when, when, when he tells you to endure what that endurance looks like, when he tells you who to look to, he doesn't tell you to look back at chapter 11 to all those folk who ran the race and, and finished. He tells you to look to the one who not only ran the race, but is the race. And finished. He says, he says, look to Jesus. He says, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. It describes an attitude of faith, not just a single act. Right? So you, you, you can't run up against difficulty and look to him once and then get past and then never look to him again. This is an, this is an act of continual, constant, never-ending looking to Jesus because he's the only one that can give you what you actually need to run well. So some of, some of us that well, you know you know what I mean by narrow your focus. Some of us go everywhere else before we go to the Bible. Y'all got so many help like self help books and and podcasts. L- listen, like I, podcasts can be a great inform, uh, 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 innovation for spreading information. But I hate podcasts. You know why? Because people live on podcasts like that's where you gain life. You listen to more podcasts than you do. You know more about who's podcasting, what sermons, and what discussions than you know about the Bible. Reading all these books, you got all these little pithy sayings and quotes. You you got all that stuff and don't know scripture. He says, you got to keep your eyes fixed on, you got to narrow your focus. Listen, it's a lot of things in this world that can help you, but ain't nothing that can help you like Jesus. Says he's the source, the author uh, of our faith that has the thought of being a pioneer or 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 or, or a leader. That that all that the pastor has said about the sufficiency of Jesus to atone for sin and and bring the faithful into God's presence is encompassed in the all inclusive phrase, the author and perfecter of the faith, meaning that as the pioneer of God's people and their salvation, Christ not only opened the way. But he's also the one who is able to bring his people into God's presence. Those are two different things. He opens the way through his shed blood, but he also brings them into the presence. It's the pioneer and perfecter. He himself is the way by which God's people, both before and after his incarnation, enter God's presence. But it says it says that the that the joy set before him. The joy set before him, this joy that he has procured, awaits those that endure. Meaning that on the other side of difficulty, there's joy. And for him, 
This is the ultimate sign of endurance. I, I don't know how you can't be encouraged by this. When it says that Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, saw the cross and what the cross represented. See, the, the, the cross was representative of something greater. So the cross, he experienced physical pain, yes, but the cross was just a symbol of the wrath of God that he would have to face. And so when he went to the cross, he had, he, Jesus knew what he was facing. See, facing the wrath of God, paying for the sins of eternity, is much more difficult than being physically crucified. And yet Jesus, when he was in the garden, he saw all this. He knew what was coming. He knew what was coming so much that he was so stressed out that he was, he was, he was sweating drops of blood. If there's any other way, Father... If there's any other way for me to secure your people and take them into your presence without having to go through uh, experiencing your wrath for eternity, like, I'll do it. But then guess what he says? What does he say? He says, your will be done. Not, not my will. Not my will. I would rather, but your will. I don't want the pain, but your will. I don't want the difficulty, but your will. I don't want to die. But your will, your will, your will, your will, your will, not my will, but your will. Said he was willing to go to the cross. So he said, he said, because he knew Jesus knew what was going to come after the, the difficulty. He knew what was going to come after. He, he knew that after the cross came resurrection. He knew that after resurrection came sitting down at the right hand of God. He knew that sitting down at the right hand of God came opening the way for God's people to come back into fellowship and relationship with him. He knew that one day me and you will be able to come into the presence of God and not be destroyed. He knew that one day when we were in the presence of God, we would be able to stay there for the rest of eternity. He knew that there was something beyond the cross. And it was joy. He said, you got you to keep running. You, you got to pass the Mac. You got to keep running because on the other side of difficulty is joy. I know you can't see it yet, but on the other side is joy. And guess what? It's already been attained for you. Jesus already got it for you. It's sitting there waiting. Guess what? All you got to do is keep running. All you got to do is keep running. I'm done. You know, in that, um, that 2019 four by 400 women's relay race, there could only be one winner. All these people on the track running as hard and as fast as they could, giving it their all. And yet there could only be one winner. But here, the pastor, the writer of Hebrews is pleading with his listeners to keep running because unlike that 400, that four by 400 race, everyone who is a part of the covenant people of God who endures until the end wins. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's made it so that all you got to do is keep running till the end. Doesn't matter who makes it there before you. Doesn't matter who comes in after. 
as long as you run the race till the end, you've won. Father, we thank you, O oh God, for your word. Thank you for Jesus the Christ, our great high priest. He's greater than the priesthoods. He's greater than the Levitical sacrifices. He's greater than the temple. Because what they could not do, he did through his shed blood at the cross. It was through his death on the cross that the curtain was torn in two. That we were given access to the presence of God. Father, I pray that you would give your people this day the endurance to keep running. And to know that they're not running in their own strength. But they're running by faith. And God, we can't wait for the day when we will get before your presence for the last time. And you will say, well done. You've run the race well. Help us to endure, oh God. Help us to trust in you and in your word. Because it's, it's in your presence that we find the fullness of joy. It's in your word that we find the words of life. Help us, oh God, this day keep running and to not stop until we're with you in your kingdom. Amen. Now's the time of our worship gathering where we can reflect on this reality that there will be a day where we will have a feast with Jesus in his kingdom. We will eat with him and drink with him and for the very first time since his ascension he will drink from the fruit of the vine when he was with his disciples he said as often as you get together in remembrance of me do this and so he took the bread and he broke it gave it to his disciples and said this is my body which has been broken for you as often as you do this do it in remembrance of me let's eat together afterwards he took the cup and he blessed it and said this is my blood which has been poured out for your sins as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Passive Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, 
particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.